Now, I'm pretty sure that coal, 100 million years ago, was trees and plants. Is that right, Jacob? It was. So I would argue that that's sustainable. Hello, and welcome to The Troll, where we scroll through social media so you don't have to. I'm Marina Perkis. And I'm Gemma Forte. And today, I strongly recommend grabbing some popcorn, because we're off to an event which is popcorn only with a letter missing because it's popcorn, which stands for popular conservatism, which is sort of problematic in itself because the conservatives aren't popular. <laughs> and it's not great starting with a lie. Plus, to add another mm. layer of deep irony, the movement, political, not bowel, though when you hear what they've got to say, yeah, you'd be forgiven for thinking that it was one big bowel movement, is headed up <laughs> by one of the least popular conservatives of all time, Liz, I crash the economy. Trust. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the whole thing just felt like one big celebration of the deluded, <laughs> wasn't it? It was like a gathering yeah. of half-baked people, which, and they, what was the point of it? Simply to have a go at their own party. Yep, that was it. That I didn't understand. So their their popcorn Twitter page said the fight back begins. And in her opening speech, Truss actually hit out at Sudok's government for failing to take on left-wing extremists. Is that for years and years and years, and I think it goes back two decades, conservatives have not taken on the left-wing extremists. Now, these people have repurposed themselves. They don't admit they're socialists or communists anymore. They say they're environmentalists. They say that they're in favour of helping people across all communities. They are in favour of supporting LGBT people or groups of ethnic minorities. So they no longer admit that they are collectivists, but that is what their ideology is about. It's all about taking power away from people and families and giving power to the state or unaccountable bodies. What? Oh my word. I I don't, I, so, just Mm -hmm. so we're straight, Mm. if you are an environmentalist Mm -hmm. or you want to help communities or indeed support LGBTQ, congratulations, you are a left-wing extremist. That's right. If you care about people from the LGBTQ Q plus community, you're Trotsky, you're Stalin, you're, you're, you're yeah. just like, I mean, it just makes, the other thing about her is that when she speaks, it's very uncomfortable because it's always quite slow, but with pauses. And I feel like if she was my mate, God mm. forbid, um, no, but if I was getting WhatsApp notes from her, I'd definitely have to speed her up. Do you know what I mean? You know, like you get your WhatsApp note and it's on a one. Two times. You'd whack mm-hmm. her on a two times. I mean, I'm sure you've done that many times with me, Marina. So it's probably so fast. But with her... <laughs> Genuinely, Gemma, you speak quite fast already. So if I go up to two times with you, it's completely, like, incomprehensible. Gibberish. <laughs> exactly. Gibberish. I mean, it's gibberish on one times as well, darling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, she really always looks like she's searching for the next word. Well, I mean, she, and she's in charge of this stuff. Wow. I know. And there was an account called Axeman that wrote, damn communists coming over here, helping the needy and sticking up for minorities. Gosh, they sound awful. And there was this bit in there as well where she mm. talked about unaccountable bodies. Yeah. Unaccountable bodies. This from Liz Truss, who, who, who basically took the ideas of the darkly funded 
IEA think mm. tank, mm. put them into practice and tanked our economy. I know. The lack of self-awareness is quite extraordinary. It's an absolute piss take, the mm. whole thing. And Gina Miller of the True and Fair Party wrote, not sure if to laugh or cry. Liz Truss is offering lessons on how to be popular. Despite polling by Savannah finding on the eve of the launch of PopCon that Truss is the least popular politician in the country with a net favourability score of minus 54. <laughs> Yeah, extraordinary. So you think I've got a popularity score of minus 54%. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a sort of conference where I stand up and pretend I'm really cool and everyone wants to listen really to me. Popular. And here yeah. is, yeah, I'm so popular. Here's another kernel of self owning joy, which Henry Morris captioned with <laughs> like a dog returning to its vomit. <laughs> because we have such a direct link from members of parliament to the people that vote for us. They are able to kick us out. I mean, none of us are saying, by the way, that MPs are brilliant or infallible, but we certainly are ejectable. And I myself have been at the sharp end of that. So I can tell you, we are deeply accountable. <laughs> Good gag, Liz. Take the hint. <laughs> Take the hint, Liz Truss. You're rejected. Ejected and rejected and, and outdone by a lettuce. Stay away. Stay <laughs> yeah. away. I've experienced that myself, just a sort of utter destruction and a sort of savage, <laughs> savage beating in the polls. <laughs> We're still learning. We are still learning about the damage that she's caused. I think it was just this week that we've learned about the, the continued damage to our pension funds as a result of that big old mm. crash but jesus um let's end the trust section with a tweet from at kokeshimum which kind of says it all they wrote you were the government for 14 years you had an 80 seat majority you effing mad bastard this woman is absolutely deranged they're all deranged imagine looking at this and thinking this is what i want to vote for i know honestly and uh, that i mean that tweet Beautiful. And actually, Victoria Derbyshire echoed what that tweet encapsulated so succinctly and so bluntly, um, i.e., why on earth should we give two hoots what Liz Truss thinks? Only Victoria Derbyshire sort of delivered hers in a manner fitting for national television. Farouk posted the clip with the words, Derbyshire shreds Liz Truss's former advisor. Why should any voter listen to Liz Truss when... She frightened the markets to such an extent that the pound fell against the dollar, sent mortgage rates soaring and forced the Bank of England to intervene to save our pensions. Yeah, well, look, I think when you look at what was said today, when you look at what the focus was of, of the event today, it was much less about, you know, what are the short term policies that we, we need to do now before the election? It was no, more no, sorry, uh, what, what... it's actually about whether people would listen to Liz Truss because of because of the disastrous 49 day premiership. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing with what judging what Liz was saying is I think you should, people should be judging her and what she said today. Not, uh, not on her actual record in office. Look, I think, look, she can... I thought she you can, wanted to make, bring the link back between accountability and... and yeah, and I'm sure, I think, I, I'm sure she'd be the first to admit that her term in office didn't go the way, the way that she intended. But I think that's not <laughs> to say that the ideas that are being discussed today. I'm sorry to come back to a point I made previously, but it, but, but it seems to link with what you've just said. Liz Truss as Prime Minister announced billions of pounds of tax cuts and look where that left everybody yeah no and i think 
when you when you change leaders so quickly in a party, I think you are going to get a lot of people coming in enacting policies that maybe they haven't had time to prepare for long enough. I think that's she why went through the whole leadership contest saying she was going to cut taxes. I know, but when and she did, yeah, and look what happened. Of course, but when you're in the middle of a leadership... <laughs> oh, what would she have done if she had more time to prepare? <laughs> Jesus. Like, this isn't about that. And also, I felt a bit sorry for him there because he was like, yeah, um, yeah, but, uh, 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 yeah, but... And it was, oh, no, uh, Victoria Derbyshire, tell you what, she needs to take that slot on Sunday morning. That would be different television. She's fantastic, isn't she? But you know when small kids go to like mm. the fancy dress box? We've all done it when we were little, I'm sure. And then you go and you go, I've done a play. I've done a play. Watch me in my play. Watch me in my play. And then you sort of gallivant around where your parents sort of like, they're not interested really. They'd rather be watching the football or doing the washing up or anything really. But they go, oh yeah, great. And the play makes no sense whatsoever. But as a kid, you think I'm on stage, bright lights, Oscar winning. And that's sort of Liz mm. Truss, really, isn't it? Mm. But the political version. It's like, mm. look at me on stage. I'm going to say some stuff. <laughs> I did respond to one of her tweets recently. And I just, I think it was because she's, um, that was it. She was also speaking at a very right-wing conservative event in the States. So a very mm. big organisation. And, mm. um, and I just wrote, I can't imagine how disappointed your parents must be. <gasps> because her parents were quite liberal, mm. right? Wasn't mm. one of them a Lib Dem or something? Mm. And then to have your daughter, how does that happen? How do I avoid that happening with my children, Gemma? I don't I know. I'm not sure they turn, don't turn into them raving right-wing Tories. I, I think so far so My good. God, it could be, what about, what about if they became reform? Jesus, I don't know what's worse. Reclaim. <laughs> Christmas would be problematic. <laughs> So Christopher Hope, who's the political editor of GB News, and he used to be editor of The Telegraph, and he's got the nickname Chopper as well, which I've always felt uncomfortable with. I mean, does that refer to his old childhood bike or is it his wiener marina? <laughs> I think it's just his name, Christopher and Hope. Hope, oh. Chopper. But I, it could be his wiener. It could be his wiener. Genuinely, Did it really never, never occur to you that it no. might be? No, I always just thought, <laughs> Chopper. Oh, anyway, good, good. Wiener. Okay, yeah, my my mind needs a good old scrub. Anyway, um, he tweeted, "I'm told on good authority that after the launch of Popcorn today, seventy donors and supporters gathered for drinks at Sir Jacob Rees-Mogg's house nearby. Ugh. There were thirty Conservative MPs at the party, far more than the dozen or so who were at the launch. So, in other words, some just went along for the free boost." <laughs> Ridiculous. Best for Britain quote <laughs> tweeted that saying, these people are not the elite. I repeat, not the elite. They're just a hardworking group of ordinary multimillionaires mm. having a cocktail reception at Jacob's £5 million Westminster townhouse at 2pm on a Tuesday like we all do. <laughs> and Benny J81 replied to the Christopher Hope or Chopper tweet saying, do you go home and have to wash the client journalism off? <laughs> I like that one. And Andy Oakes interjected with, told on good authority. I mean, you work for the same channel as the bloke who hosted the party. Keep the Pulitzer on hold. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Got a massive scoop here from my absolute Bessie, mm, who's mm. Uh, paying me. Love it. <laughs> Incredible investigative journalism, they're <laughs> 
Yeah. How did you find out? I just thought oh, it was amazing. Anyway, on to the next bell. And it's Lee Anderson who used his moment in the popcorn spotlight to tell us that coal is sustainable. And Mike Goldsworthy tweeted, Lee Anderson attempts to claim that coal is sustainable because it's plant-based like wood pellets. No, Lee. Most coal formed 300 million years ago and required millions of years, plus absence of currently extinct microorganisms, to form. Not sustainable. Here he is. We're chopping trees down. We're growing trees and, and chopping them down, shipping them halfway across the world to put into a power station that used to take coal from a coal mine 10 miles away. And they say this, these wood pellets are sustainable because the trees, we can grow them again. Now, I'm pretty sure that coal, 100 million years ago, was trees and plants. Is that right, Jacob? <laughs> it was. So I would argue that that's sustainable. Oh, don't ask Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask Jacob, Lee. Well, I don't understand. Right, this is his big moment. And you can actually see watching Lee that he was a little bit nervous there because mm. he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a fish out of water at that conference. He's prepped for this, right? The way you and I prep for a show... He wants to make a point. You'd mm-hmm. have thought he'd have at least Googled it, you know, gone to Encyclopedia Britannica and just checked. <laughs> yeah. But no. Yeah, Google's free, isn't it? It's like, it's just there. Touch of a touch of a button and a couple of taps. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty special. And it was very um, like, do you remember the famous Mike Graham concrete moment? <laughs> do you remember that mm. on Talk TV? Of course I do. Where he said that, yeah, concrete grows. Wonderful. Yeah, there's a parody account called Mark Franz Wonka, <laughs> love that, which tweeted, exactly, mate, the coal and oil will just replace itself in 100 million years, which is actually a nice coincidence, as that's when the Brexit benefits should kick in. <laughs> and Rob <laughs> Barron wrote, just imagine what those two could achieve together. Mike with his concrete farm and Lee this coal-making factory. Once that first batch of coal trundles off the conveyor belt in 100 million years' time, there will be no stopping them. So I absolutely love this. Lyrical Wax have taken Lee Anderson's little contribution at PopCon and they've put it into a kind of like a movie trailer and the movie that he is starring in is A Beautiful Mind. We're chopping trees down, we're growing trees. One of the most brilliant minds of his generation. Shipping them halfway across the world, put to a power station. He saw the world. They used to take coal from a coal mine 10 miles away. In ways that no one could imagine. They say this, these wood pellets are sustainable because they're trees. The extraordinary gift. I'm pretty sure that coal 100 million years ago was trees and plants. That set him apart. So I would argue that that's sustainable. One man's journey to the greatest discovery of all. A beautiful mind. <laughs> beautiful mind. Oh, that tickled me, Marina. That tickled me. Okay, next on the conveyor belt of bells, it's Jacob Rees Mogg. So, Best of Britain posted a long excerpt of him talking with the caption. Please take three minutes to watch this unparalleled piece of comic performance art in which Rhys Mogg argues that having rights is why we don't have rights. (sighs) Judges have stopped Tories from building enough houses and that Tony Blair is to blame for it all. But I'd like to skip ahead to where he's asking a question. And Gemma, I'd like you to answer it. Okay, so here it is. Uh, Okay. 
So, let's come back to this whole idea of popular conservatism. Because this is really about democracy. What do we believe as conservatives? What underpins every view of every conservative? Uh, trying to fleece the taxpayer. <laughs> <laughs> what public services and infrastructure can I privatise? Yeah, let's, ask, let's let Jacob ask you. Let's do it officially, Marina, here. Jacob can ask you as well. Okay, okay. So, let's come back to this whole idea of popular conservatism. Because this is really about democracy. What do we believe as conservatives? What underpins every view of every conservative? How we could ensure we transfer as much money as possible from the public into our own offshore bank accounts. How to wear red jeans at social occasions. <laughs> um, oh, what about um, how to look good carrying a sword? Um, that's very, very important as well. <laughs> Yes. How to make enough money to pay for one's own peerage. How to make Infosys the richest company on the planet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, dear. I know, I can go on. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. How... <laughs> How to secure a second job that pays £50,000 per annum for 12 hours work. <laughs> How to make a culture war about anybody and call them all left-wing extremists. <laughs> right, we better see what else the absolute bell had to say. Have a listen. That we put the individual first, not the collective. And what does the socialist do? Puts the collective first, not the individual. And what we have seen Tony Blair so cleverly do was construct the socialist state where the rights of the individual are subject to the collective and the collective is taken out of the hands of Parliament and put into the hands of wise men. Though no doubt the socialist would say wise people to be politically correct. But I'm going to stick to wise men and I'm not going to tell you about the Anglo-Saxon origin of the word man. I'll do that on another occasion. <sighs> Shut up. I'm so glad no one laughed at those shit jokes. God, he's boring, isn't he? He just wangs on. Mm. He loves the sound of his own voice and it just none of it means anything. And it's so, such a load of pompous old shite. He's like, you know, when you've got the worst, like it's, you know, not always. Sometimes it's lovely to have a chat, but occasionally you get like an Uber driver and you think, oh, please stop talking. And you have to pretend you've got a phone call or something and speak into your phone. I'm actually quite honest, kind, but I just say, I'm really sorry. This is my only time for getting stuff done. So, yeah, that's what I say. Um, on that note, though, <laughs> uh, am I the only one listening to that going, no, surely it makes sense to to work as a like, to work for the collective? Because otherwise, if you always mm. champion the individual, well, you end up with, well, you end up with people like Jacob Rees-Mogron in the country. Which is what we've got. Yeah. I've always thought that if, you know, society is feeling happier, richer, healthier as a whole, then you're living in a nicer country. Call me old-fashioned. They don't care. Gemma, again, you're you're confusing people like Jacob Rees-Mogg with people have, who have got a soul. Mm. Like, they do not care. They would have zip. There was actually, I saw a Twitter account the other day, and it was saying there should be zero taxes. So oh, wow. everything is just... Yeah, everything is privately funded. Mm. So if you have nothing, you have nothing. You are yeah. just left to yeah. your own devices. Um, Alex Andreo wrote, I recall something James O'Brien observed 
if the stuff that comes out of this man's mouth came from some pub bore with a working class accent, it would be ridiculed. Jacob Rees-Mogg may be one of the stupidest men in Parliament. He just gets away with utter guff by virtue of a plummy accent. So I think we should give this a try, right? Okay. So here's a transcript yeah. of that old tosh right. that Jacob Rees-Mogg was spouting. Yeah. Now, Gemma, I want you to give it a whirl in a non-Jacob voice. Okay, I'll have a go. Let's see. That we put the individual first, not the collective. And what's the socialist do? Puts the collective first, not the individual. And what we've seen Tony Blair so cleverly do was construct a socialist state where the rights of the individual are subject to the collective and the collective taken out of the hands of Parliament and put into the hands of wise men. Though no doubt socialism would say wise people to be politically correct. <laughs> but I'm going to stick to wise men and I'm not going to tell you about the Anglo-Saxon origin of the word man. I'll do that on another occasion. I mean, that's what he said. <laughs> Sir Alan? Sir Alan, is that you? <laughs> or we could try it with... That we put the individual first, not the collective. And what's the socialist do? Puts the collective first, not the individual. And what we've seen Tony Blair so cleverly do. I mean, you get the point. He just talks shit, doesn't he? I get the point. I think this is. I think what we've just done there is is very important work. <laughs> I think we need to amplify this because people need to stop believing that posh sounding people know what the hell they're talking about. Mm. They're not. In the case mm. of Jacob Rees-Mogg, he's talking out of shite. Sturdy Alex also pointed this out. Also, Tony Blair apparently signed the UK up to the ECHR in um, 1951. That's two years before he was born, proving Ooh. Jacob Rees-Mogg does indeed, as we all suspected, talk utter shite. Strongly suspect, Marina, that that social experiment absolutely would work with every word that Boris Johnson has ever uttered as well. Absolutely. Mm. Imagine imagine talking about like Tim Tams and Peppa Pig and Kippers. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. We, there needs to be like, you know, like sub, subtitles mm-hmm. to translate it. There needs to be something like that. Like you can apply a regional accent to, to help your like bullshit detection. Yeah. That'd be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Sky Plus feature, maybe. Um, right, so... Lewis Goodall of the News Agents podcast, he tried to have a go at doing some journalism, but Jacob, well, he's not used to anything that isn't GB News style, i.e. chopper, fawning all over him. So have a listen to this clip, which might get your blood boiling of Goodall interviewing Jacob. Um, railed against Davos now. How much money did you make in the city? That rather is I've never, oh, That's such a childish question. Well, it's not, it's I've never childish. had anything to do with Davos, and I know that you've become a very left-wing broadcaster, but asking sure. me lefty questions doesn't really get us anywhere. It's not a matter of left or right. It's it a matter is. of probing your position, I Mr. I've never had Reesmark. anything to do with Davos. Uh, no, no, all. but Davos, but Davos, Davos, I would imagine what you're suggesting by talking about Davos is a it's sense a of a man... internationalism. Yes. I'm in favour of the nation-state, which was clear yes. from my speech, if you've listened. I listened to every word you said, but I, it still seems to me I listened extremely carefully, but it's possible and entirely appropriate that we try and probe some of the intellectual positions. Good, good. I mean, it's not but one of the problems. You seem to be re- representing the left wing. Are you doing your bit of due impartiality you, that Ofcom requires Mr. you? 
or I Mr. Rees Mogg as a left-wing broadcaster. Mr. Rees Mogg, I know I'm that you're rather interested in this. Mr. Rees Mogg comes up with GB News, which I broadcast. Which, of course, is completely impartial. Mr. Rees Mogg. It meets the requirements of impartiality. Well, not according to Ofcom. Mr. Rees Mogg. Unreal. Unreal. He's such an... Op like, the fact that he dares to talk about impartiality. I think tonight, we're recording on a Monday, very mm. unlike us. I think Sunak is standing in for him tonight on the station. I mean, <laughs> what is that all about? There was a bit in that interview where Lewis sort of goes to almost just touch him slightly on the shoulder, on the top of his arm. And he says something like, keep your hands to yourself. Like he's mm. really rude. And to, mm. to insinuate that that's a lefty question and to then question the uh, the interviewer, who has asked a very legitimate question, Yeah, it just, it just smacks of someone who doesn't want to face any scrutiny. He's completely unaccountable. Oh, no. If you challenge them in the slightest way, you're a lefty extremist and that is it. And that shows, mm. I mean, that is just getting into very dangerous territory, isn't it? Gemma, if you mm. if you if you if you're an environmentalist, or if you help people in communities, or if you support LGBTQ <laughs> and extremists, so <laughs> you ask a question about Davos every chance. Yeah, on that note, Davos, 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 Davos. Um, in case you don't know what Davos is, it's a town in the Swiss Alps. It's actually a ski resort, but it's got a conference centre there that hosts the annual World Economic Forum. So that's what that is all about. Right, okay, we're going to get on to our last bit from Popcorn. <laughs> We might have to have a shower before we proceed any further. But this um, this clip is an absolute belter. And it absolutely shows what sort of person thinks that wanging on and on and on about the individual uh, and to hell with what's best for society as a whole, what that kind of person is like. So here's Holly Valance. Now, she used to be a soap star. I think she was in Home and Away. Then she was a pop star. Do you remember she had that massive... No, Neighbours, Neighbours. Was it Neighbours? Okay, got me, got me Aussie soap wrong. I think she was in it for about three years. She was Flick. Oh, I do remember, yeah, Flick. And then she had that song, Kiss. Da -da 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 Kiss. And she's now mm. married to a billionaire property developer and I don't think she does much. Anyway, here's, here's Holly. I know, have yours been a, a right or centre person, or is that are you conservative? How, where are you politically? I would say that everyone starts off as a lefty and then wakes up at some point after you start either making money, working, trying to run a business, trying to buy a home, and then realise what crap ideas they all are, and then you go to the right. And you heard, of course, Liz Trust speak just now. Um, Jacob Rees-Mogg, how did you find that? Who was your favourite speaker? Oh, the speakers today were fantastic. I thought Liz was actually really, really um, interesting to listen to. Jacob for PM, um, <laughs> the MP for Ashfield was awesome. Love and all and are straight to the point and very sensible and for real people. Christ. She loved Lee Anderson's culture. She loved it. It went down <laughs> like... Sack of coal. Um, <laughs> yeah. What I don't understand about that, and it, it actually did really trouble me, because she's my age. In fact, she's just a bit older. She's she's forty. Um, I don't understand. So she's married to a billionaire, um, Nick Candy, who is of the, the the Candy Brothers property tycoons. Billionaire, like a billion pounds is is more than you could ever dream of spending. Mm. How can you be against when you've got more than you could ever spend? Mm. How can you be against? left-wing ideas because left-wing ideas by their very nature all they all it means is that it's rooted in equality and egalitarianism so mm. how when you've got so much can you be against others having a little bit more 
and why like it just really disappointed me like she's 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 too young to have that stupid mindset and the other thing is I was like I'm amazed she's been welcomed uh into the conservative party so warmly because she's a bloody migrant you know <laughs> so yeah she's you know, she? quite frankly mate uh yeah so there you go. Don't mm. think she's struggling with her visa I issues. Think also, she's of Serbian. De- I think she's of Serbian descent. So that's her heritage. Again, interesting. The secret drug addict wrote: Holly Valance hasn't worked since 2013 and is married to a property developer with a net worth of 1.5 billion. Of course, she's a Tory. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Bella MC put. Everyone is born a lefty until they get rich and don't want to share. You aren't enlightened or clever, Holly Valance. You're just selfish. Kiss, kiss my ass. (laughs) That's a good one. And Dorian Linsky wrote, I hereby retract my Holly Valance crush from 2003. And I think there were a lot of people in that same boat thinking, oh, balls. Absolutely. When someone fit as then says something truly repugnant, it becomes impossible to fancy them in the same way. Uh, cut to um, Alex Wickham, who was from, who's a reporter from Bloomberg, and he tweeted, and this is really funny because usually couples speak, mm. right? But anyway, he put exclusive. <laughs> Property tycoon Tory donor Nick Candy says it's time for a change of government to Labour. Praises Keir Starmer's engagement with business, blasts years of Tory infighting. Um, and Don McGowan tweeted, yeah, there's probably easier ways of asking for a divorce than waiting for your wife to go viral, calling for re as PM and then ditching the Tories. What's going on there? <laughs> if you thought communication in your relationship or your marriage was bad, <laughs> just know that billionaires like Holly Valance and Nick Candy have got it even worse. Yeah. Do you think it's because their house is so freaking big they just never see each other? They go, hello, darling, <laughs> dinner. Yeah, I'll be there in 25 minutes. I'm just getting the lift. Did you see me go viral talking about Jacob Rees-Mogg? <laughs> Okay, change of gear somewhat for this next topic, and I insisted on covering it. It's uh, it's about Greg Wallace. I dedicated a whole hour of my LBC show the other day mm. to, to this topic <laughs> because I was, I was fascinated by it. So if you don't do social media, maybe you're not aware of this, but Greg Wallace is one of the co-hosts of the BBC MasterChef show, and He went viral last week because (laughs) the Telegraph magazine published one of these like days in the life of, you know, Mm. where like a celebrity just does their their daily routine and it's normally like at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. I get up, I I wolf down a bowl of of porridge and then I do, you know, it's one of those. Greg Wallace, and I don't know if he was just being really honest or unfiltered, but let's just say it caught many people's attention. (laughs) And I'm just going to read you out a few excerpts from it. So my favourite bits. (laughs) 5am. I wake up at the same time every morning and I'll read for an hour. 7am. I work out five days a week. I'm down at the gym half an hour before it opens. They're nice. They let them in early, even Mm. though it's closed. 10.30am. I meet my PA, Helen, at the local Harvester for breakfast. 
bacon, <laughs> sausage, and fried egg. And bear in mind, this was posted by the accidental partridge. People were saying, <laughs> is his PA called Lynn and not Helen? Um, and Harvester as well. I was surprised by Harvester for a um, Master Chef presenter, but there you go. And then this is this is where it starts to get a bit crazy. 12 p.m. <laughs> so he's had that big breakfast, 10.30. 12 p.m., back home for lunch, which my <laughs> wife... Anne-Marie will have ready on the table her white bean soup with crust of bread <laughs> is a family favourite. <laughs> All right, we're carrying on. 1.30pm, he's very diarised. Mm. Nothing happens. He, does, he doesn't do a thing. Doesn't even chill on the sofa unless it's diarised. 1.30pm, I like to spend some time with my four-year-old son, Sid, who is non-verbal <laughs> autistic. Aww. And then that's till 3pm. So an hour and a half with his son, <laughs> then 3 p.m. I'm an amateur historian. I spend two hours by myself in my home office playing Total War Saga. He's <laughs> <laughs> an amateur historian. So that's why he plays two hours of Total War Saga. And then 6 p.m. I cook dinner for the family once a week. Why is he cooking dinner just once a week? So basically, the internet went into absolute overdrive. Mm. I ended up down this Greg Wallace rabbit hole because there was another <laughs> article he'd done previously for the daily mail where he talked again really candidly yeah really candidly and um there were some absolute gems in it <laughs> so for example <laughs> in that he mentioned he's split from wife number three he's, he's been married four times i think most of his wives has been a quite a significant age gap <laughs> split from wife number three heidi brown hmm. uh, a biology teacher 17 years his junior who he met on twitter when she asked him a question about celery. And then you later find out that he met Anne-Marie, his fourth wife, who's 22 years his junior, because she slid into his DMs and asked a question about rhubarb. Oh. <laughs> so I'm thinking, if I'm Greg Wallace's wife, mm. I, I'm not letting him go anywhere near Twitter. You know, imagine if someone's sliding into his DMs asking for a bit of, I don't know, how do you make hollandaise? I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's very specific. It's leafy fruit and veg is uh, getting him going here. That's what's starting off all these romances. Yeah, I tell you what, it's all quite fascinating stuff. I mean, also, though, have to hand it him. He's he's managed to find four people to marry him. I mean, I I mean that. That's quite a lot, Mm. isn't it? It's a lot of people who wanted to marry him. Yeah, there was a there was a bit that was really sad as well, where where he wrote in the Daily Mail article that. With Anne-Marie, I mean, and Mm. I do think he genuinely does love her. Mm. Um, He said it was the first time that he felt someone really liked him. (laughs) It's his fourth marriage, Gemma. Jeez, yeah, that's taken a while. Um, So lots to say here. Now, my sisters and I went down our own little separate rabbit hole. I mean, I don't want to sort of blow our trumpets here, but it was slightly ahead of the Greg Wallace trend because (laughs) it was my sister Isabel who spotted it, I think, that on Instagram, on Anne-Marie's Instagram... Every time she posts a picture, he comments, and we got really fascinated because he always puts absolute framer, absolute framer, like whatever oh. she puts on. <laughs> they were all framers. Oh, so and he loves, he loves he her. He does, he does love her. But also we were like, I hope he's told her that just not just on Instagram. It's all fascinating. There were so mm. many good tweets about our Greg's um 
uh, life. I tell you what, Marina, just say for in another world, we were celebrities and you got asked to do one of these. Like, would you do it? Like with, with this insight into how much Greg has been scrutinized, I'm not sure I could bear to. I just don't think I'd want to be offering up like any aspect of my life because it probably all does sound ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, yesterday I was with you, for goodness sake. I think we'd be quite safe. Yeah. I don't think we've done anything particularly interesting like that. Partridge. No. And also, no. have you? He, he's moved it. He moved it. He moved his in-laws in. So his yes. in-laws now live with him. And this mm. is actually the bit where I think I started to get a bit jealous rather than judgmental. And um, because he did say to Anne-Marie, like, I'll, yeah. I'll have another kid. He didn't want another kid. He was very honest about that. I'll have another kid so long as we have childcare. So they moved the in-laws in. And the in-laws have Sid in their room I think it's either three or four nights a week, so they sleep properly. Oh. I was like, oh. No, that's just that called winning at life. Yeah, that's called winning at life. And uh, this was a great tweet, at Gus the Fox. <laughs> if you're having a shit Saturday, then remember that Greg Wallace's wife is currently heating up a white bean soup with crusty bread for a man who's currently halfway through a fried breakfast with his PA. <laughs> That's got to be quite a farty situation. And then someone called at Stuart Chill put, 1.30pm, I like to spend time with my son. One and a half hours later, 3pm, I spend two hours playing Total War Saga. There was a lot of commentary on that about the mm. more time gaming than hanging out with your own child. Yeah, I must, I've got to say, just got to say, in, in his defence, he has said he was, he was actually almost close to tears with the backlash and he did say Aww. this is just a Saturday he yeah exactly it, that it's not reflective and he does spend more time with his son but also someone said in my phone in on LBC was actually with an autistic child they do like a lot of routine so mm. scheduling it in was a good thing and I think during the week he sees him more and plays with him more but um just not on Saturdays again I think it's an absolute pitfall of doing one of these diary things because then it's almost like that's what I do every week and it probably isn't it's just the mm. way the piece is kind of contrived I, I'd, I'd, I'd be very wary of it I really would uh and then Leroy Jenkin wrote having a fry up at Harvester at 10 30 a.m and then lunch at 12 is actually the most insane part of this article maybe the two hours gaming time which I actually think is wonderful. <laughs> Basically, it's half term this week and Red Army put, week off with the kids. I'm beginning to think Greg Wallace has a point. <laughs> and the Have I Got News For You account wrote, Greg Wallace's revelation that he spends more time eating fry-ups and playing computer games than playing with his kids leads to an outburst of people pretending they're not jealous. And I think that's it. I think it's mm. a lot of people were very judgmental because they were jealous. I know yeah. I was. Uh, Ollie Mann wrote, It's incredible to think that this time last week we were heading into a Saturday with no idea how Greg Wallace would spend it. <laughs> Right, underrated tweets of the week time. And uh, we've specifically gone for a thread that Marina alerted me to, and it had, did have me chuckling. So let me explain. James Felton, the writer, tweeted a picture that had been posted by spectator journalist James Heal of a guide which was created by the Daily Mail. And it's absolutely mad. So the Daily Mail are basically describing what to do if you are attacked by an XL bully dog, which 
I can't, that would be my worst nightmare, Marina. I would be so flipping terrified. So here's what you have to do if you're attacked. Um, apparently you have to take off your jacket. Now in the picture on the Daily Mail guide, it's very, very handy because the man's wearing a sort of jacket and then he's got a coat on top of top as well. So you have to take that off and sort of brandish it towards the dog and try and cover it up. Then you have to proffer your leg at this vicious beast. And as it goes to bite you, you have to try and put the coat underneath the dog's, the vicious dog's uh, jaw and sort of pull it up and try and choke it. And then if all else fails, what you do, you go into your shopping bag that you've definitely got with you and you pull out ideally some meat... And you throw that across the road and the dog sniffing your carnivorous snack will hopefully be distracted and release its fangs from around your thigh and go and get it. And uh, James Felton put, this guide is great, Joe. Just wondering if maybe people should throw their big bag of meat, though, before offering their leg to be bitten <laughs> and choking out the dog. Joe, sensing her editor is eyeing her precious big bag of meat and drawing it closer to her. We publish as is. <laughs> Patrick O'Flynn wrote, Great, isn't it? Of course, we all wear one coat while carrying another. And Barnacles wrote, Personal choice. Depends if you're fonder of your leg or your bag of mints. <laughs> At time of crisis, put it's very good advice. If you happen to be carrying a spare coat, spare meat, or are attacked by a dog wearing a collar and you really don't like your leg anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Gallandry, I love the responses. Paul Gallandry wrote, doesn't everyone carry around a special bag of attack meat for this very purpose? <laughs> <laughs> but possibly my favourite, Sean Harry's, if you have a coat... Oh, what if they're on a night out in Newcastle or Swansea? It's true. It's true. In the dead mm, of winter, you go out in Newcastle, there's no coats. Often, Marina, there's no tights as well. Yes. I've been oh, out on a night out in Newcastle. Yeah, mottled legs. It's mottled legs all the way. And that's just the way you do it. Well, we used to do it down in Portsmouth as well when I was at university. Um, just a little tip for our trawlers, because we like to give you additional value. If you do get bitten by an XL bully dog... As a person who had Staffordshire Bull Terriers, I had two, and um, there was a point which, at which they, they started fighting each other when they were scrambling for who was going to be Alpha Dog. It, instead of throwing your big bag of meat or using your spare coat, um, you can pop a digit up the bottom. Okay, so there you go. Different topic. <sighs> we're going to move on. <laughs> Wowzers. I know, I know that, but they can't. Basically, if they release their jaw. Wow, I'm just sorry, sorry. No, I can't let you get away with that, Marina. Right, I'm just going to say here and now, if I no, get attacked true. by an XL bully can... dog, I'm dead because I'll just shit myself. I'm, just, I'm not going to have the wherewithal to stick my finger up its bum hole. And if it's savaging me, I'm just going to be whimpering on the ground going, ah, This could save your life, Gemma, okay? Mm. This could save your life. Okay. So if you'll find yourself in that situation, I'm just saying now you have the wisdom. It's up to you if you want to use it. I'll give it okay. a go. I'll give it a go. But also, really hope I don't get savaged by an exemplary dog. Don't want that. No. No fun. No. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. How do I segue? <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's my underrated tweet of the week. And it's from Brendan May, um, who wrote, and this is all to do with obviously um Prince Harry returning to the UK for his father. Uh, he wrote, 
Prince Harry is only coming for his own PR. And also, he should have brought his children to see their ailing grandpa. And also, he should stay in California and leave them all in peace. And also, there aren't enough royals because of him. He should come back and do royal work, etc., etc. Which is just wonderful. Because if you see some of the commentary, my goodness, Amanda Platel, who's one of that GB news bunch, mm. she had, like, I think it was days apart, said something like, one of the headlines was, uh, of the column she wrote was around, it's just so heartbreaking, these two brothers that aren't speaking. And then a few <laughs> days later, it's... Prince William should never forgive his brother for what he's done. <laughs> Make your mind up. Yeah, there's a lot of contradictory going around. I tell you what, that's one thing you have to respect. And this is a good segue Nadine Dorries for, because you know what? She knows what she thinks and she has never, ever swayed Marina from sticking up for her love for her love, Johnson. Mm. And I think you tweeted this clip of uh, Nadine giving her little overall view on the shenanigans of popcorn. You know, these MPs are getting desperate. They, some of them have only been in Parliament for five years. They came in expecting to stay in. They moved to bigger houses. They took on bigger mortgages. Some of them are earning twice as much as they were earning before they became MPs. Mm. Mm. Do you think, mm. I think I know she's talking about there, do you? Yeah, well, I could has, has I reckon it a guess. she's talking about Brenda. <laughs> Brenda Clark-Smith. Brenda. Uh, the MP for Stoke. And the the one that the MP that uh, Holly Valance likes so much as well, yeah. Ashfield. I think yeah. she's talking about those ones. Sustainable coal. Hashtag oh, the plot. Hashtag the plot. Buy it. It's a great read. Ooh. Right. I think that wonderful underrated clip draws us to the end of this episode, Marina. Mm. What a mixed bag of, of stuff we had there for you. Um, <laughs> don't say we don't bring you a variety. Thank you for listening as ever. Um, if you haven't had enough of our voices, you could go over to Patreon and subscribe and listen to the Troll Goss. Um, lots of episodes on there to catch up with. And we also have a little YouTube channel. Oh, the other thing to say is, regular trawlers, we know that although you troll with us regularly, we are a little bit haphazard with our schedule. So I'm sorry if that is a pain, because we do kind of slightly dance to our own tune, don't we, Marina? It's always a mixture of um, schedules, uh, I don't know. Mm. So we'll, we'll try and get more organised, but anyway, we'll, we'll get there in the end. Uh, in the meantime, pudding time. This is fab. It's a, a, somebody we've never had before. The comedian is called Susan Harrison, at Sue Harrison 123. Actually, it was Rosie Holt, the comedian, who sort of directed us to her on Twitter. And in this, uh, Sue is playing Liz Truss and she's captioned it with, Liz Truss goes to an improv class. Have a listen. Cheese. Okay, let's start with a game of yes and. So Liz and Katie, you're up. Let's go to the pub. Yes, and let's cut taxes for our donors. No, say something about the pub. Oh, um, yes, and let's have another drink. Um, yes, and let's have a nice chat with the barman. Yes, and let's send him to Rwanda. No, hang on. Hang on a minute. You can't say, you've got to say something that's linked to what's been said. Well, he was an illegal immigrant. Oh, I think say. what people would actually like to do if they were allowed to say. Okay, yeah. Do you know what? Let's move on to some scene work, okay? Um, so we're going to do a scene now uh, with Katie and Liz. Oh, it's you two again. Okay. Um, and this scene is going to be inspired by the word fairy. Oh, thanks for coming to Fairyland, 
Princess Aurora? Well, thank you for voting Conservative. Oh my God. Um, I didn't. There are so many secret Conservatives around. Oh, not again. Uh, yes, Fairyland is full of them. Woke. So how did you hear about my class? Jacob Rees-Mogg recommended it.